0: Ask any West Texan and they'll tell you that the Permian Basin is known for two things, oil and football. No high school team in the country is more famous than Odessa's Permian Panthers. The Panthers 1988 season was chronicled in one of the best-selling sports books of all time, Friday Night Lights, which inspired a Hollywood film and a critically acclaimed TV series. To this day, A Permian game at Ratliff Stadium remains a major event. Coveted season tickets are passed down from one generation to the next, like sacred family heirlooms. The stands are filled to capacity with over 19,000 fans. The home side is a sea of black and white and silver. There's electricity in the air. And now ladies and gentlemen, it's the word word in Texas that says it all. Say it with me. MOJO! That's the scene one Friday night this fall, when the Panthers square off against Southlake Carroll, a powerhouse team from a wealthy Dallas suburb. The pom-poms of Mojo cheerleaders shimmer under the lights. In the stands, chants of Mojo echo in the night air. The Panthers are wearing their now-famous black and white jerseys. On the sidelines, right there among them is Elizabeth Fott, Affectionately known as the Mojo Queen, Mrs. Fott has been a die-hard Permian fan for seven decades.
1: I came here when I was 11, and now I'm old. I'm 84, so that's a long time to love Permian.
0: Mrs. Fott used to be the school's registrar and she still substitutes at the high school, teaching a variety of subjects. Next to the players, Mrs. Fott looks tiny. She's no taller than 5'5", but she's treated with the kind of towering respect typically reserved for royalty. Mrs. Fott travels to each game as a sponsor, with no real designated role other than offering the team moral support. When the Panthers reach the playoffs, it's Mrs. Fott who sews the players' last names onto their jerseys. Cheering right alongside her is Alan Jones, a longtime teacher at Permian High and a living encyclopedia of all things Mojo. Now, if you're not from West Texas, you might be wondering, what is Mojo? Well, Alan is the guy to ask. Friday the 13th, October 13th, 1967,
2: there were um, some drunk ex-students in the stands at an and Cooper game. And there was a song back then uh, called Get Your Mojo Working," Mo Bandy and Joe Diffie. And so they just started yelling Mojo. And uh, a young lady sitting in front of them thought it was pretty cool. And so she started yelling it with them. And we lost that game 13 to nothing. And the next year she was president of the Pepettes. And so she created the first Mojo bumper sticker that says Mojo Mighty Panthers on it. And took it to McCreelys that's still a business down on Grant Street. He looked at that and says, what the crap is that? He said, trust me, 500, make them. And
0: they sold out in one night. Mojo proved to be catchy, an enigmatic word that could be used several different ways. In Old West gambling, it was good luck. In the
2: Cajun culture, it's this charm that they keep in their pockets. But all through the fall of 68, the Pipettes were trying to push push Mojo, push Mojo, push Mojo. Then in the semifinal game, 1968, um, the original band director at Permian spelled Mojo on the field for the very first time and we were behind 21-nothing, and the players were waiting to come on the field because the opposing band always takes too long when we're the home team trying to make us draw a penalty. And so the last drill of the night of that band show, he wheeled around and spelled Mojo on the field. Crowd went wild and started screaming Mojo with the players standing right there. Came back from a 21-point deficit, won the game, and went to state.
0: Mojo was born. Allen is full of such tells. Details from games that took place decades ago are recalled with reverence or disgust. To Allen and Mrs. Fott, Permian football is a source of great pride, and preserving the team's legacy is important. When you're talking Permian football with them, after mojo, the word that comes up most is tradition.
1: Return to the same things over and over. Um, The traditions, like he said, the run-through sign, and you'll see it's a 27-by-29-foot liner from the oil field. And that's what it's painted on. No one does it that way anymore.
0: The run-through sign that Mrs. Fott refers to is a long-standing ritual in Texas high school football. At the beginning of the game, each team runs onto the field by bursting through a sign held up by cheerleaders. Those signs used to be hand-painted specifically for each game, usually with quips about the opposing team. But lately, most of these run-through signs have been replaced by inflatable tunnels. It's one of many Permian traditions that Mrs. Fott and Allen are worried may soon be lost.
1: Yeah, there's several people have said, well, we want one of those, uh, I'm not sure what to call them besides. Inflatable
2: mascot tunnels. And I call it a blow-up
1: dial, anyway, uh, where the team runs through and smoke comes out. Alan and I do not not want to see that happen, but I'm sure in time, when we're gone, it'll happen.
2: People still cheer and chant mojo, but it's people that come here and it's like, oh, football, you know, we didn't do that in Kansas much, or you know, whatever yeah. it was. And so- And then they're gone. They and then they're gone, yeah. yeah, they're just transient. At Permian when I first started, the only way you got to teach at Permian is if somebody died or retired. Six people, six openings opened up in 94, and I got one of them. And now we have, we have 67 people just coming in and going and coming in and going. And it's hard to teach them the traditions and to love it because they know they're gonna be here a year and gone.
0: Mojo fans, are you ready? Here come your pandas! I'm Christian Wallace and this is Boomtown a podcast about the historic old boom that's currently underway in the Permian Basin. By now, you know that the scale of this boom has brought all sorts of unintended consequences to the Permian. On this episode, we explore how it's affecting the region's education system, from the gridiron to the classroom. This is Episode 7, Mojo Magic. When Buzz Bissinger moved to Odessa to begin reporting Friday Night Lights, the city was going through hard times. It was 1988 and the bust was in full swing. Mojo football was Odessa's one bright spot, a rallying point for the community. And while there was little to rejoice economically, the Panthers gave Odessa plenty to celebrate. My reporting partner, Leif Riegstad, reminisced about the glory days with Allen and Mrs. Fott while a lightning storm delayed the kickoff against South Lake Carroll. They passed the time on a school bus parked outside the stadium, the driver's radio occasionally interjecting with updates about the storm.
2: From 1973 to the season of 1984, John Wilkins' um, win-loss record was 146, 16, and
1: 1. And 50 of those were shutouts. And he was named the winningest coach in the state of Texas in that decade. Mm -hmm. He was
2: nicknamed A.G., Almost God, because he could always pull out a win.
0: (laughs) Permian dominated Texas football in the 80s. They won three of their six state championships and were mainstays at the top of the national rankings. Despite their success, Permian was never known for the size or speed of their players. The 1980 team, which won state, was so small that fans called them the Mighty Mites. Without big, fast players, Permian built their record and reputation by playing straightforward, hard-nosed football.
2: And you started playing Permian
0: football in Pop Warner. You played the same plays, the same offense, same defense. And so by the
2: time you were senior in high school, you'd done your job for so long, it was rote. There was no way you could forget it.
1: Well, you mentioned John Wilkins and Mm -hmm. the plays that he called, we called it the end around. Every game and around, and it worked. 18 pitch
2: right, 18 pitch left.
1: And around. And it worked.
0: Yes. Varsity football players were the undisputed kings of Odessa, and they were treated like kings.
1: And on Thursday night, the cheerleaders would always feed the team a snack hot dogs or tacos or something and uh, they took that away because that was being treated special. Pipettes always treated their They had a player to take care of, and they'd even decorate their bedrooms and uh, give them a snack.
0: The Pepettes were the school's spirit squad, comprised entirely of senior girls. At the beginning of the football season, each Pepette was assigned a player. The Pepette was tasked with making a yard sign with the player's name on it, providing him with weekly snacks or baked goods, and was obligated to wear a white jersey with his number on it every game day. Some went beyond these duties and would also make elaborate scrapbooks or buy beer for their panther. But the days of the pepette are long gone. UIL, the state agency that governs extracurricular activities in Texas, now forbids preferential treatment of football players. But even today, game days at Permian High are a big to-do.
2: It's a huge coaching staff. Then there's oh, a yeah. uh, 325 member band, and there are four or five directors. And, Three you know, trainers
1: have, and about 12 female girl trainers.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, then you got 25 cheerleaders. Then the the dance
1: teams on the sidelines. And so yes, that takes up the 30, 40 mm-hmm. yards of kiddos. Mm-hmm.
2: You know, we I just always call it the Mojo production.
1: You know, a pep rally.
2: Anywhere else is a pep rally, a pep rally at Permian is a production, you know, because we have things that have to happen, and we're always trying to be creative, yes, and yes. we have a wonderful mascot this year that's just... We'll keep your eye
1: on him. Yeah.
0: The Permian players who suited up this season have had a far different experience than those that Bissinger followed in 1988, and it's not just the absence of the Pep Pets. While the 88 team weathered the region's worst bust, the kids that played ball this season did so amidst the biggest boom Odessa has ever seen. Mrs. Faught has ridden Odessa's booms and busts of the oil patch for 70 years. Still, she's been stunned by the changes this boom has wrought.
1: In the county, just, yeah, it, there's been a huge transition, and all probably because of the oil.
2: We're one of the fastest growing metroplexes in the state because of the oil boom. And, you know, depending on who wins president in the next few terms or a Congress, you know, that may limit production. But, I mean, this is a breadbasket here just of energy. And if, I mean, we're going to have to build a third high school at some point, And that will change the whole
1: dynamic. And we do have nearly 4,000 students at our school. And 4,200 at Odessa, Odessa high. high. And
2: so, so we're bursting at the seams. So, you know, just... The fact of success, you know, in financially, will definitely change, you know, what we can hang on to.
0: The boom has brought in thousands of new students who are now crammed into schools that were built for far fewer kids. Last school year, a photo spread across social media of Permian High students sitting on Home Depot buckets because there weren't enough desks and chairs. Both state and local media have covered the overcrowded classrooms, There was one teacher at Permian teaching pre-cal to 63 students in a single classroom. For a number of reasons, it's tough to find and keep enough teachers to meet the surging number of students across the Permian.
2: We've had teachers walk out the door at Christmas and not come back just because they can double their salary in Warfield.
0: To learn more about how the boom has affected schools, Leaf visited the campus of Permian High a few days before the game against Southlake. The word MOJO is spelled out in black capital letters near the entrance. The halls were packed with kids, who followed by a statue of a panther with comically bulging muscles. Leaf sat down in a conference room with Donna Tolley, the English department chair. She's been teaching there for six years and also attended Permian as a high schooler.
3: Yep. Go Mojo.
0: Donna knows Odessa well.
3: I'm telling you, it's a small world around here. I mean, it's, I know we're big right now, or we think we're really big, but it really is a small town. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows everyone, knows all their business. <laughs> Sometimes more than they want.
0: She was joined by Karen Hart, who chairs the science department.
3: I don't know why you want to hear me. I didn't grow up here. That's all right.
0: (laughs) That may be true, but she has lived in town for 37 years and has taught at Permian High for 15. When we asked Karen and Donna about how the boom is affecting the schools, they didn't mince words.
4: Rinse (laughs) us. Yeah. Yeah. It kills us. it's, It's hard. It truly is hard. Because our older boys don't see a need in education, because they have family members mm-hmm. that are making bukkus of money out there, uh, working in the oil field. So our older boys, above sixteen age uh-huh. age sixteen, I think that they just think, why do I need to get an education? It's not important. My dad, my brother is making this much money in the oil field, and, so and I've had it's hard students. to keep home.
3: I've had students who have gone to work in the oil fields during, you know, during a boom and, you know, they'll work all night long. And so the odds of them doing homework are slim and none.
4: Um. But what they don't realize is when it goes bust, the first people they let go are the uneducated, you know. So then they come back wishing that they had gotten their education. But you can't tell them that at a young age. It's all about money, you know? Mm -hmm. They want to make that money. And you can't blame them. No.
0: Donna and Karen have faced plenty of other issues. Permian teachers have struggled to reach incoming students from all over America and abroad, from Cuba to Honduras and elsewhere overseas, from as far away as Africa. There are language barriers to overcome. And many students live with their families in the RV parks that have sprouted along the edges of practically every town in the Permian, environments that aren't necessarily conducive to studying.
4: Not only that, we are department heads. And so to try to find, you know, I've been department head for a few years and to find teachers to come into this area, it's been tough. So when you're short teachers, then we have to take the overload. And not only us, but people in our department. So we are combining classes. So if you had 35 or 36, and then you have to take another 10 or 12 on top of that, it, it gets crazy, you know? It's just tough to get people to come here because they feel like nothing's here for them. You know? Yeah, the cost of living. Yes, like the cost of living it's killing us.
0: As you may recall from our first episode, rent across the Permian is expensive At more than $1,500 bucks for a two-bedroom apartment, the cost of average monthly rent in Odessa is higher than any of the state's major cities. The cost of living is tough for just about all of the residents, but it's especially hard for folks who don't work in the oil business. This means the Permian Basin can be a tough sell for teachers.
3: Well, we try to beg, borrow, and steal every teacher we possibly can.
0: Odessa recently managed to raise the pay for their teachers but the district continues to bleed staff. Permian's athletic director and head football coach both left over the past year. In 2018, the school district was short some 240 teachers. They started this school year over 300 teachers short. Lately, recruiting new teachers has meant casting a much wider net than just West Texas.
4: Whether it's students or teachers, because like we have brought in a lot of teachers from Spain, India. We still are waiting on another round of India teachers to come in, you know. So, you know, I know we have one in math and one in science that have been here before, and then they had to go home for a year, and they're back, you know. And they love Permian, you know. Yes. They're excited to be and here. And I'm,
3: I'm currently waiting. I've got two more teachers yeah. from India coming, and I'm really excited, I mean. India teachers in the English department. I love it, (laughs) and I think it's it's great for our kids. I mean, it prepares them and teaches them about differences.
2: Had it ever been like that? I mean, through any of the kind of previous booms, was it ever this bad, or is this kind of unusual?
3: I mean, it it always increases, but to me, for whatever reason, I just feel like this time is worse. I and I, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword. I say it's worse, but, you know, when everyone is surviving and doing really well, you know, that's not a bad thing. It's just, you know, like I said earlier, our infrastructure isn't there to support the number of people that we have here right now.
0: Despite the challenges, Donna and Karen love being part of Permian High. They're Mojo fans through and through.
3: Once a panther, always
0: a panther. They take off some of their favorite traditions, including one that blurs the boundary between football and religion. The Mojo faithful are known to hold a necklace of black beads during games.
4: (laughs) She probably (laughs) knows more about it. Like...
0: (laughs) Just like, I mean, it's just, almost like a rosary. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
4: and they, the diehard fans, because I used to see it when I first came, you know, some older ladies would sit there and it's like they're praying on them. Yeah. You know, All it's those just, they just feel like it's magic. You it know? is. It's, it's a superstition. It's I a, mean, it
3: is. You know,
4: like juju beads.
3: Yeah, juju beads. <laughs> and, you know, mojo.
4: You 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 couldn't find tickets at all. People, when they die, I mean, their family Mm -hmm. took on the tickets. It was hard to find tickets. Yeah, you know.
3: People would fight more over their Permian football tickets when they got a divorce than they would their (laughs) own kids. (laughs) They're going to fight over those tickets. And some of those families still have those tickets, and they will not give those tickets Mm. up ever. They will be handed down through the generation? Forever.
0: They also mentioned the mojo queen, Mrs. Fott.
3: Oh my gosh, I just absolutely love her. It's kind of funny. She worked here whenever I went to school here. And uh, we always laugh about how she did with all of the kids. And she can tell you the years that people have graduated. I mean, 84, I can't even remember the kids I had in first period. And she can remember the kids that she had, you know, throughout the years and remember what class they were in and and their parents and how they acted. and it, it, It's really funny, you know, we call her Miss Mojo. Come on guys,
1: come on, let's go, let's go. She's
3: on the sideline every Friday, doesn't matter what's happening, she is on that sideline. And she's got the cutest little helmet umbrella so when it's raining, she looks like a giant, um, you know, football helmet out there, hanging on to that. And oh, she's just precious. Between her and Mr. Jones, I yes.
4: guess you met him too, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, yes. so. And
3: they lead in trying to make sure that the pride of Permian goes nowhere. And so without them, it'd be tough. Right. It'd be
4: tough. There you go, yes, yes. yes. Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Afford Anything talks about
2: how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about... How of think, Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen.
0: Back in the school bus waiting for the Friday night game to start, Mrs. Fought says, Despite all the recent changes, some things have stayed the same.
1: Well, um, my church hasn't changed, and I go the same avenue every time. It. So that's the same. Um, it's it, it, a sadness in a way, but then again, all things
0: grow up, grow old. Still, the loss of traditions trouble her and Alan.
2: And, you know, it's changed because you used to in Permian, they used to teach English teachers, taught all the sophomores then. Uh, their first grade, a poetry grade, was the school song. By the time you walked into the first pep rally, you knew it. And it got to a point, one time, you know, it was so transient that we had to put the words to the school song on the side of the field house. It's just so the they could just glance over, you know, and just those changes of, you know, love in your school. I always tell, when I do new teacher orientation, I always say, I challenge you to become a Permian teacher instead of someone that just teaches at Permian. Because I promise y'all there's a huge difference. And some of them make it and some of them don't.
0: It may seem silly to lament the loss of such traditions, especially when it comes to a violent sport that's come under fire for causing brain damage. The glorification of Permian football itself has come with its own problems. One of the main characters in the Friday Night Lights book was Booby Miles, a star running back who was treated like a god According to Bissinger's reporting, teachers did whatever it took to make sure he passed so that he could play on Friday nights. Then, his senior year, during a scrimmage of all things, an injury abruptly ended his Permian career. Suddenly, nobody seemed to care what happened to Booby. But there are things, good things, about West Texas football that few understand. One evening, not so long ago, I visited my granddad, Leland Hamilton, at his home in Andrews. After living in the same house for half a century, one year ago, he and my mama Joyce moved into a one-bedroom apartment on my parents' property. They fixed it up to look just like their old place. The three of us sat at their dining table. Their house is quiet these days except for the ticking of a clock, which happens to chime out a Beatles song every hour not that either of my grandparents know any of the Beatles' music. My granddad is kind of the equivalent of Permian's Mojo Queen in our hometown of Andrews. He's 95 years old, born and raised in West Texas, and a diehard Mustangs fan. Do you think that there's a a West Texas mentality that informs the way that we play football, like a toughness or a sense of work ethic or something or do you think that that's probably just any, anywhere it would be like that? Well I, I think that's more or less throughout America but especially in
5: Texas you know I think it's just within ourselves you know seeing men hit each other and fight and to get something done you know it's just part of, part of life. It's just in the blood I think and that's more so out maybe out in here than it is in some other places. It, it's a tough sport. It's a tough sport
0: for most of the last three decades, every day during football season, granddad walked the half mile from his old house up to the high school to watch the team practice he's become a fixture on the sidelines known by every coach and player simply as pop can you tell me about what your routine is like whenever uh, football season starts
5: Well of course it, it starts long in the first long close to first August you know and it, they practice in the mornings at that time and then some in the afternoon too, but uh, I'm up there. I don't get up there when they get up there because that's early. I'm still in bed when they get up there. But I usually go up on after a while at 9 to 9.30 or 9.30 or something there. And mm-hmm. Go down on the sidelines of field and the boys will be some of them old on sideline and some of them they'll be out practicing practice and this and that. And, They'll run over and get water and this and that and holler at me and say, Hi, Pop, hi, Pop, hi, Pop. And so they just, uh, that's uh, what they all know me by. I just pop up there to high school, boys and girls both. And I don't know who they are, but <laughs> that's it's, you know, I enjoy being there with them
0: and talking with them and visiting with them and learn a little bit about them. And, and Mom what Joyce, what do you think about his habit of? going up there every day. How... Oh,
4: I like
1: it. I think it's good. Well, yeah. it gets
0: him out of the house anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's,
1: one, that's one good thing.
0: <laughs> Granddad is part unofficial mascot, part mentor. He enjoys being near the action, although a few years back, he got a little more than he bargained for. Yeah,
5: I was, I was up there talking to the coach when they practice practicing a couple of years ago, and, uh, and they run a play that came down the sideline there, and we were standing back Oh, probably six or eight feet back, or eight feet or so at least. And they tackled a the boy and rolled. They rolled, and one of them rolled out, knocked my feet out, just completely out from under me, and I landed on the ground there. And boy, didn't hurt me, man. I was,
1: scared them all. Yeah,
5: they, they, man, they jumped up and helped me up. And didn't hurt you, pop? Didn't hurt you, pop? No, you didn't hurt me. You sure? <laughs> It just, it just happened so fast, man. I couldn't, didn't have time to move.
0: <laughs> and how old were you then when that happened?
5: I guess I was ninety-two when that happened, man. I, I, I just, I just amazed it didn't hurt me. It could have very easily hurt me.
0: You can tell by this story that the players are pretty protective of Granddad. With many of them, his influence lasts a lifetime.
5: Well, it's really meant a lot to me to be a part of their life, you know, because, uh I really pray that I might be able to instill within them, you know, to do the best they could, you know, and try to get them to be, really be what they want to be, you know. Some, some of them, you know, uh, probably will falter all right or something, but uh, I think I've been able to change some of them or other, you know, and been, been there for them and and I think they realize I, I care about them and, and talk with them and share, and share my life with them and what's going on. And then I see some of them, you know, I don't don't know their name, but I see them years later or something, you know, and they've changed, you know, the looks and everything else. Some of them I'll recognize a little bit, but some of them I don't. But they,
1: they always remember him. Then.
0: Granddad knows how much the game means to the players. Many of my own high school teammates went straight into the oil field and started families after we graduated. High school football was their last chance to be a kid, to bask in small town glory before the realities of adulthood and physically demanding labor took hold. But for my granddad and many others, football means something more. It binds the community together.
5: It's just one of those things that just, people look forward to football. Mm -hmm. They just, they start preparing for it early in the summer. Mm -hmm. That's that's what you think about, football, football, football.
0: When I was a kid, granddad and I bonded over the game. Like a lot of kids in West Texas, I grew up football obsessed. There was nothing I looked forward to more than Friday during the fall. In the mornings, high school kids would set up a table at my elementary school to sell tickets to that night's game. My mom always tucked a quarter in my pocket so I could buy the temporary tattoos the high schoolers sold. That night, my cheeks emblazoned with Andrew's A and decked out in my Mustang gear, I would head to the game with Granddad. Those nights were magic. Granddad knew the names of most of the players and so did I. The team season program was a sacred text to me. Granddad and I dined on stadium nachos and cheered for our favorite players. Mine was Shad Williams. Shad was the running back for Andrews between 1995 and 1998, around the same time I was starting Pee Wee. Over his high school career, Shad rushed for nearly 8,000 yards, a record which stood for years as number 10 on the all-time list of career rushing yardage in Texas. Shad later played college ball for Tech and Alabama and even spent a few years in the NFL. But I still vividly remember Shad as number 21 for the Andrews Mustangs. Watching him run the ball was like seeing a superhero in the flesh. I clipped articles about his exploits from the local paper and could rattle off his game day stats like a pint-sized John Madden. Once, when I was in fourth or fifth grade, I got the chicken pox and had to miss the Friday night game. A cousin in high school passed word to Shod that his biggest fan was out sick. And to my utter bewilderment, Shod came by my house and autographed a few of my newspaper clippings. It was one of the highlights of my childhood. That was one of the few games I ever missed. And during every game, seated next to my granddad at Mustang Bowl on those Friday nights, there was never a doubt in my mind that someday I, too, would step onto that field. Well, I know, uh, like, growing up, one of the things that I liked so much about playing football was I felt, like, a very close to you and Dad during the, during the season especially because we always would have something to talk, mm-hmm. talk about after the games. And, yeah. you know, um, me and Dad, usually after every game, would... Either that night or the next day, just sit down and talk about yeah. the different plays and what I could have done differently, or what I did good, or yeah. how whatever. And <laughs> and so it, it's also a way to kind of bring like families and yeah together. Yes. Yeah, yeah,
5: uh, uh, sure can. Yeah.
0: Of course, you can do that with any sport,
5: you know. All right, but mm-hmm. you did good that year. You that senior year, you did great. You made all district. Defense, what it? Mm-hmm, yeah, yep, linebacker. A linebacker, yeah. At 140
0: pounds. Pounds. <laughs> pounds. I think I was 135, <laughs> something like that. No, yeah, I got up to 145, I think, at the end of the year or something. But yeah. not exactly a, a colossus on the field. No, but you were in there. You can probably sense my embarrassment here. I don't dredge up these memories often. I'm honestly not one for talking about my so-called glory days. But I don't exactly stop Granddad from talking about them either. Well, um, I was fast, and I would hit them hard. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can remember over at uh, Lemason, we was playing them over
5: there one time, he was a senior, and they they were on the three-yard line. they run a play, and you tackle them without gaining a yard. you you were through there and got him. Then the next play, the run, you could tackle him, tackle him again. On the fourth down, still three yards to go, they ran a the play and you tackle him again. And they said, and that's that number eight, Wallace boy, again. Got him again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was nearly 14 years ago. I'd be lying if I said hearing granddad talk this way didn't give me chills. I always dreamed of making him proud. Granddad says that the devotion to football in West Texas is pretty much the same as it always has been. The game we attended together earlier this season was packed on the home side. He said recently they've all been like that. These days, Granddad doesn't walk to the stadium from his home like he used to. Instead, he drives his old Chevy Malibu along the butane route. Along his way, he passes oil-filled servicing companies and a steady march of tumbleweeds blowing in from the fields. Though he's definitely not fond of the traffic, he's glad the boom has reinvigorated Andrews. At the stadium, if you climb the stairs and look to the west, past the parking lot, mesquite choked fields sprawl to the limits of sight. Here you can get a palpable sense of the boom. There are more pump jacks nodding in those fields than ever before. At dusk, you can make out the gas flares blazing yellow and orange. And as night blankets the prairie, the bright lights of drilling rigs shine against the dark. Standing there one recent evening, I was reminded of something Mrs. Fott said.
1: No place on earth that has sunrises and sunsets, like West Texas. Oh, and the full moon rises up over the stadium. It's breathtaking.
0: Yes, plenty has changed about Permian football and everything else in the region. Permian isn't the same football squad they used to be. None of the athletes on this year's team were even alive the last time Permian played for a state championship back in 1995. And the Permian game against South Lake Carroll that was delayed by Lightning this fall, it eventually got underway, but there was little mojo magic in the air that night the Panthers got drummed 48 to seven. I'm all too familiar with the woes of being beaten by Southlake. As a kid, I watched through tears as they ended the playoff dreams of Shad Williams and the rest of Andrews. Later, when I was in high school, I remember hearing how Southlake Carroll would be serving sushi in its new multi-million dollar stadium. At the time, I had never even seen sushi. There were some folks, including Friday Night Lights author Buzz Bissinger, who decried the new concession as a sign that Texas high school football had, quote, gone soft. That was one thing we never had to worry about in West Texas. In the next episode of Boomtown, we'll meet cowboys who still work their herds the traditional way, and see how the boom has both helped and hurt their way of life. One day
3: that water will be worth more than that and gas. Mm-hmm. so take care
0: of your water. Boomtown is a co-production of Imperative Entertainment and Texas Monthly. Executive producer is Jason Hoke, produced and engineered by Brian Standifer, who also wrote the score. Boomtown is edited by J.K. Nickel and Megan Kreit, and co-reported by Leif Reedstad. Our theme song is written and performed by Paik Rossi. I'm your host and writer, Christian Wallace. Texas Monthly's parent company also owns interest in the midstream oil and gas industry, among other diversified investments. Our editorial judgments are made independently of any such investments. Don't forget to tell your friends about Boomtown, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you like the show. Boomtown is a 10-episode series with new episodes available every Tuesday. Follow us on social media and visit texasmonthly.com boomtown for more on this story.